and welcome back to another episode of Duke Chat. This week we're talking about JMU basketball, both men's and women's, as they are knee deep in their conference play. So we'll be checking out what these teams have been up to and how they're matching up to the rest of the CAA. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Duke Chat. It's been a while since we've been ha having the opportunity to sit down and talk with everybody, but we are back. We are after our winter break here for spring semester and certainly looking forward to a whole new round of sports. So my name is Madison Heritzik. I am, as always, joined by my co-editor, Savannah Rieger. How are you today, Savannah? I'm doing all right. How are you, Maddie? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be back. It's been a while since we've had a really nice podcast episode come out, so I'm looking forward to chatting with you. So I think we're going to get started, and we're going to be talking about JMU basketball. Now, this is going to incorporate both men's and women's. We'll be talking about conference play, how they've been doing, and, you know, what's new with the team, what's going on, some insights, how this team has been progressing as they get ready for the later half of their season. So while we were away on our month-long winter break, Jamie Men's Basketball also had a month-long winter break, which is really interesting, but it wasn't the break they would typically expect. They had a COVID-19 outbreak, which is very similar to the 2020-21 season, and I think it's hilarious that that's how the new year started. Well, it's almost like it was a copy-paste of last year. You know, Jamie Men's Basketball dealt with COVID issues for what felt like forever last season and you know right as they're getting ready to go into conference play they're hit with omicron and while it has affected everybody it definitely has taken its toll on the duke so far i mean not only have they had to deal with covid but they're also pretty much down to the wire when it comes to injuries so far this season yeah, and they got about four to five games canceled or postponed because of that. I'd have to double check on that. But, you know, this is, this they were playing their best basketball at the time of the shutdown. They had just beaten Virginia. They had beaten Radford. You know, they were dominating the state of Virginia, and it all kind of shut them down. And that definitely did not help them at all, as Mark Byington, the head coach, has said multiple times. Um, the Dukes, they, they're in a rut right now. You know, they've lost, they're two and three in conference right now, and these are some games they could have won. You know, they had the UNCW game. A UNCW, a team that's undefeated in conference play thus far, and they lost in the buzzer beater. And even and Mark Byington even said that was the closest to prior break the Dukes looked, and they still ended up losing. So, you know, that was a heartbreaker. Well, and what makes it even more difficult is that JMU is 0-2 in the last two home games, whereas prior to this COVID break, they were undefeated at home. And that does include everyone's favorite win over UVA in early December. Now, that can make things a little bit difficult because many teams that have come through Atlantic Union Bank Center have commented on how difficult it's begun to play at JMU at home. And with two CAA teams cracking the code, this could be a dangerous problem for JMU. I think another problem is the fact that when they came back, they didn't come back to a campus full of students. They came back during the students' winter break. So when they got back into their home environment, it wasn't the same that they typically had. And now they're, you know, they're not getting the crowd behind them on free throws. They're not hearing the crowd scream when they make a three. They're just not getting the typical home atmosphere that they usually would. And I think that that was definitely a factor in their game against Hofstra. And I think that even though they had those fans back against UNCW, that they weren't sure how to completely play because they were still figuring themselves out. And I think that had a factor. Byington has described this team recently as tired. They're worn out. They're battered. They've been playing physical games. And that's taken a toll, especially because they do have players on injury and they have them in the COVID protocol. And the COVID protocol is kind of tricky because 
With everything developing in the CDC, it's kind of hard for some teams to be able to decide when they're able to start their return to play protocol and when to still quarantine. But it's part of the process that we have to deal with, you know, playing in a pandemic. And I think Byington kind of described it the best when we got to talk with him on Tuesday. He looked at us dead in the eyes and said, I have had an hour of sleep in the last night. And I think that just shows how much stress and how much energy has been draining from this team and how much they need a solid win right now. And that's not going to get easier because they've had so many games postponed. They've had to cram their schedule in February. And so they they can't afford to be tired. They may be tired, but they just can't afford it when you don't get to go to the conference tournament. So at the same time, Jamie needs to figure out quickly how to get in the rhythm. They had a little bit of rhythm back in November when they went down to Florida for a tournament after coming off, you know, some games against Old Dominion and a game against George Mason. So now it's just about figuring out how to balance that heavy schedule along with some injuries. Jalen Hodge didn't play in the game against UNCW, and Alonzo Sule was out on COVID protocol for a couple games. So, you know, it's about figuring out who the next man up is. Absolutely. And to make things even more difficult, Byington had requested that the NCAA redshirt the three true freshmen on his roster, and then we found out that that redshirt was rejected. And what's interesting about that is prior to the pandemic, the rule was about six games or less, and you could redshirt for a year because of lack of playing time. With COVID, that became a little bit different because of the fact that no one was guaranteed a true schedule. But according to Byington, as he was talking to us on Tuesday, it seems like we're going back towards that pre-COVID six games or less time frame. And unfortunately, that just hasn't been working out for the freshmen since they have been getting playing time with the COVID protocols. Yeah, but Byington did say that Devin Savage is a player to look to get more minutes, and he almost cracked the lineup a few times. You might have seen him in some of the games against Carlo or um, against Eastern Mennonite when he's number one, he, or he's, yeah, <laughs> and he's out there, and he makes dunks left and right. He reminds me a lot of Alonzo Sule, and that is just a player to watch if he's going to burn that red shirt. So now the Dukes are currently 11-5. and five. They're 2-3 and three in the CAA at this current time. We must put a disclaimer. While we're recording this, JMU is currently hosting the College of Charleston. So naturally that will change. However, a lot of these points still stand. JMU has lost two home games against the CAA, where prior to this, they have not lost at home. And, you know, they're still COVID and injury ridden. They're still trying to figure things out. They're having to incorporate freshmen into the lineup and, it's going to make things different and not necessarily that it matters to JMU, but it might matter to JMU fans is that after the UNCW loss, JMU dropped to number 203 in the national rankings, which is the lowest they've been this season. Prior to that, they were in the 100s and even worked their way up as high as, you know, 115. But dropping to 203 is not necessarily a great sign for JMU. So, you know, I think something else to point out with men's basketball is It's the little things right now with the Dukes. One of the big points of emphasis Byington's had all season is the rebounding. And he said that the rebounding at the beginning, like our first press conference call, was their struggle point. And you can obviously see that in the games they played in these past couple weeks because it is just, it's not gotten better. And he even called it terrible in the call this week. So, you know, I think it's the tiny little things that Jamie needs to fix. They're not losing by much. Minus that Elon game, you know, these are very close games that are the Dukes, and they are just not going their way right now, whereas the beginning of the season, they were going their way. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the Elon game because that's kind of a sore spot for a lot of JMU fans, particularly with men's basketball after what happened in the conference tournament last season. 
And I mean, I think everyone can agree that was about the biggest definition of a heartbreaking game as you can get when it comes to college conference play basketball with JMU falling in that first round. But I mean, you can see a lot of those tempers boiling over in that Elon game, particularly Terrell Strickland, which was interesting because Byington had mentioned it was one out of character for Terrell, which honestly, when you look at his game, how he plays and just his personality in general, it makes sense for him to say it was kind of out of character. And two, the fact that, you know, those technical fouls that had happened required him to meet with CIA Commissioner Joe D'Antonio for a potential suspension. Now, that did not happen, but that does raise a red flag just overall in general about how frustrating it can be when you're on this kind of skid. And it was the technical fouls that really kind of set the Dukes over in that Elon game. They were already behind pretty bad, but in case anyone missed it, the technical fouls were a big factor with Zach Jacobs in the CAA tournament last spring. Read the recap at breezejamie.org slash sports. But, you know, anyway, like looking at this game, it was more than the technical fouls. It was how JMU handled adversity. And unlike with William & Mary where they came back down 20, you know, they didn't handle it there. And again, it just goes back to the idea that you can't guarantee anything and you can't guarantee anything, particularly in college athletics. And I know everyone says March Madness is just a game of chance, but in reality, it really is, even when it comes to regular season conference play. And JMU men's basketball is experiencing that right now. They have their ways to improve. They have their ways to continue staying strong. It's just a matter if they can step up and do what's necessary to get that winning conference record and potentially make an NIT bid. So while the men had that heartbreaking loss to UNCW, the women actually played UNCW yesterday at the time of this recording and won without needing a buzzer beater, but they did win by one point while the men lost by one, you know, irony. Well, yes, there is obviously the irony to that, but it was a good game. It was a good bounce back for JMU women's basketball. They started off conference play 2-0, and and it was great. They had had a really tough losing streak. They had just come off a win against George Mason. Turned around 2-0 in one weekend in conference play, hit the road, and then proceeded to lose two. And so all of a sudden, you know, you're back to 2-2 in conference play. You don't know how that's going to develop. But then Annalicia Goodman kind of stepped up, came to the rescue, and she made the game-winning shot to defeat UNCW. And now they are 3-2 in conference play, 7-9 overall. I think that's a really good win for JMU. Um, it's not easy ever to go on the road, and especially with a long road stretch like the Dukes are on right now, especially, you know, they were at Delaware last time, and now they come to UNCW, pretty much two ends at the CAA, and they went in and got the win after coming off a pretty hard loss. So that's really good for the Dukes, and especially with a bunch of different names stepping up in that game. Absolutely, and Annalicia Goodman is only a sophomore. She is a forward. And what I've personally noticed quite a bit from seeing her play is that she's really thrived in conference play so far. She had back-to-back doubles in those first two wins of conference play. It was her first career double-double, that first one as well. And, you know, she's been able to mature. O'Regan has talked a lot about how much she's matured, how much she's improving, and how much the assistant coaches work with her. And Kayla Cooper-Williams also still is working with her and all of this stuff. And he's seeing that improvement. He's seeing that aggression come out. And She's become quite an asset for this team. In the offseason, the Dukes had Rain Tucker transfer out, uh, and she went to Towson, also in the CAA. And there's been no, someone needs to step up and take that post position and take that spot. And that's been Annalicia Goodman. I mean, working with Kayla Cooper-Williams, who's arguably one of the best in that position to ever play in the Dukes program, really important to have that there, especially when you have Kiki Jefferson as a guard who can pretty much get the ball anywhere she needs to get it. 
to have people there in places to where she can find someone anywhere is exactly what the Dukes did against UNCW. Absolutely. And I mean, you talk about players that can move the ball and get the ball anywhere. You can't ignore Jalen Carradine. Now she's a senior. Whether you want to call her a forward or a guard, that's up to you. She plays both very well. Uh, Our staff writer, Jackson Hefner, just had a feature come out about her and how she's been able to battle it out, win, uh, win tons of rebounds, get everything off the boards, despite the fact that she is considerably shorter than what a typical forward would be. And she credits a lot of that to her athleticism, and it's very, very prominent on the court when you watch it. And I think that's just become a great asset for the Dukes this year. And then you also have Jamia Hazel, who's out there. She's probably one of the most underrated players on the team because you don't see her name pop up everywhere. You know, you see Kiki Jefferson. You know, Kiki Jefferson has been the face of that team for arguably three years now. But Jamia is out there doing all the work that's needed to get the ball to the basket. And she's always a delight to talk to as well. And you can just tell she likes playing with the program and likes playing with the team. And I think that's really important to have those players who are bought in, especially especially on a losing season for the women's team, which doesn't typically happen. It's not something that fans might be used to seeing, but to have them still out there dedicated to Sean O'Regan, to have the coaching staff is very important. So looking on the flip side, JMU has also faced some injuries this season, similar to the men's team, particularly the biggest name that you know has yet to make her appearance on the court, Peyton McDaniel. She has not played at all this season. She's been nursing an injury. And, you know, O'Regan's gotten to the point where he has said, you know, they are looking at a red shirt for her. And, yeah, I mean, it's been a big loss. She was a CIA Rookie of the Year last year, so she made quite an impact to the Dukes' season. And not having her around has kind of been costly at times. I think what really hurts about that injury is that in practice when we had our media day, she was there and she was going full. So the injury occurred right before the season started, right before the Dukes took on UVA to open up the Atlantic Union Bank Center. So she was close. She almost made it. And then something that just made her have to sit out for an extended period of time happened. Obviously, we don't know exactly what that injury is, but it's definitely been costly, especially with some of the non-conference games JMU's played. Uh, They had a pretty tough out-of-conference schedule. They had West Virginia. They had Villanova. You know, these are not easy teams to play. These are big-name basketball teams. And when you have a freshman not there or a redshirt freshman next season that's not there, it's it's not going to be easy. Well, it's hard when you lose someone of that caliber who has been able and has proven to be able to shoot from the three, to shoot jumpers, make the free throws, get on the boards. She's aggressive. She moves around the court very smoothly. She's a great passer. She's a great communicator. And she is a leader for this team. So having a loss like that is not necessarily something that has been in any way positive for JMU. But another player that has kind of been back and forth on the injury side of things has been uh, Claire Neff as well. You know, she came out late. Uh, and, you know, we didn't see much of her, if at all, against UNCW. But another player, she brings a ton of energy. I had the opportunity to talk with her after the George Mason game. And, you know, she talked about how much love she has for this team, how she feeds off of this team's energy when she's on the court. And they feed off of her. And fun fact, Savannah, she actually told me that her and Kiki are roommates. And that is part of the reason they're so close and have so much fun on the court together. So. You know, losing Claire Neff and having her go back and forth between injury, being able to play, not being able to play, being able to shoot, not being able to shoot, whatever the reason may be, it's another tough break for the Dukes. Yeah, and what I've seen from Neff is she's their big three-point shooter. Uh, Maddie Green's also there, but, you know, she can't control the entire game. So 
you know, having Neff out there is really important, especially since she was a midseason transfer last season, and she came in and made an impact almost immediately. Um, so not having that outside-the-rim shooting is really important because oh, Jamie's been scoring in the paint. It's been outside the paint for this woman's team where the problems have been, and when you don't have a player like Claire Neff in the lineup, it hurts. I think it all goes back to the same point that we talked about with the men's is that Jamie misses having fans and its own fans in the stands behind them the entire game. And I think that's going to be a huge impact when the Dukes finally return home on January 28th. And that is going to be a huge teller how this team improves. They're going to have that fan base back. Fans are going to be excited to be back in Atlantic Union to see the women compete. And hopefully that'll be the shot in the arm or the adrenaline rush or whatever it may be to get the crowd behind them and get them excited and have fun again. Because... While they always have fun when they play, you can definitely see a difference when they're engaged with the crowd. So now looking ahead at the rest of the CAA for both the men's and the women's teams, it's a pretty competitive CAA this season that we really haven't seen in the past too much. Now, COVID-19 has been a factor in how competitive the teams have been. But at the same time, it's JMU's game. They need to step it up if they want to continue to push for a regular season conference championship. So looking at the rankings for the men's team, UNCW so far undefeated. They are charging ahead. They're confident. They're calm. They're collected. They've got a little bit of swagger to them on the court, and we saw that against JMU. And, you know, Towson's right behind them, which I think kind of surprised some people. Typically, when you think of men's CAA, you're thinking of Drexel. You're thinking of Delaware. Every so often, UNCW will come into the picture, but seeing Towson step up and be second in the conference right now, pretty impressive. Yeah, Towson's a team you can never count out for any sport, really. And they can recruit in a pretty good area. You know, they're in Baltimore. So the talent up there is pretty good. You pick up some Southern talent, but you also pick up the Northern talent. And when, you know, players decide not to go to, you know, the Big East, they might look at the CAA as a good mid-major conference. And I think that's what some talent has with Towson. They've just been developing and developing, and you see it now. Absolutely. And, you know, looking at the women's side, it's been pretty typical in regards to the standard quote unquote rankings in the conference. Delaware and Drexel are battling it out for number one and two. Not necessarily a surprise to any of us. I mean, I know Delaware's Jasmine Dickey has been having a great season so far. Again, not a surprise to anybody. Yeah, Jasmine Dickey is the preseason CAA player of the year, and rightfully so. She's pretty good. She scores, you know, like 20 points a game, at least, typically. So pretty that's, good. that's pretty good, <laughs> Pretty I good. would say. Um, <laughs> and Drexel's always really competitive, they, and they have been for years. They were the CAA women's team in the NCAA tournament last season, and they've been there a couple times in the last recent years. They're, they're not new to the big dance. So these are two teams that are always really good. In, but Jamie didn't lose to Delaware by a lot. They weren't making some shots that they typically make in that game. So when they come to Harrisonburg, it'll be a different story, I think. Looking at the grand picture of things, JMU's in the middle of the pack for both conferences, men's and women's. So obviously there's a lot of potential and there's still a lot of room to go. We are, you know, only midway through January, closer to the late half, but we're midway. And things don't really come to fruition until, you know, a month and a half down the road. So there are a lot of things that can change. It's still early on, but at the same time, both of these teams not only have things to work on, but have things that they should continue to nurture and grow so that they can be competitive and, you know, maybe even get an NIT bid since conference tournament championships aren't in the picture. Yeah, you know, they just have to keep fixing the little things. They have to control the controllables and keep fixing what the tiny things can be, whether it's rebounding, whether it's three-point shots, whether it's speed. 
it gets tiring at this point in the year, you know, and the new semester starting and you're dealing with all this and it's not easy for a student athlete. Sometimes I think we overlook the beginning of the spring semester for student athletes because as a student myself, I understand the stress behind a new semester and hearing everything you're going to have to do until May. And to go on to practice on top of that, to play basketball on top of that, and to be traveling as much as this women's team has, I think that's really important to how they've been playing right now. A lot of it just comes down to how they can control their controllables, how they adapt to outside factors that aren't in their control, and then at the same time, what they can do to continue getting better. And I think that is going to be those three factors by far will be the thing that tells how this is going to play out. Well, thank you guys so much. That is all we have for you this week. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode of Duke Chat. You know, JMU men's and women's basketball, always highly competitive, always exciting. And I look forward to seeing what else happens the rest of this season. Yeah, these teams, they have talent and they have potential, and I just don't think they've hit it yet. As both coaches have said time and time again, they're going to be different teams in February and March than they were back in November, and we can see that pretty clearly right now. So it's just about how they finish the CAA stretch. Absolutely. So that's all we have. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Duke Chat. If you aren't already, go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Breeze Sports. And until next time, this has been Duke Chat.